right, for tuning in online, we are in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, as our key for tonight. We'll read it and pray. Exodus 20, verse 16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. May the Lord blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, next few moments, help us as we think about this text, a very uh, introspective message. Lord, all of us need to think about how we are handling truthfulness, how we're handling it. Do we, are we a people of integrity? So, Lord, speak through me this evening. I ask this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, this list, a lot of these thoughts or some of these thoughts are taken from the book, Ten Secrets for a Successful Family. If you are looking for a book to read in devotionals with your family, I cannot more highly recommend Ten Secrets for a Successful Family by Dr. Adrian Rogers. It covers the Ten Commandments. There was a pastor one Sunday said, you know, we're going to start a series on honesty, on, on the problem of lying. So in preparation, would each of you read Mark chapter 17 in preparation for next Sunday's message? And so next Sunday morning, he said to the congregation, now how many of you read Mark 17? And half of the hands went up. He said, now you're just the people that need to hear this message on lying because there is no 17th chapter of Mark. A little boy asked his mother, Mommy, what is a lie? And his mother misquoted scripture and said, Son, a lie is an abomination unto the Lord, but a very present help in time of trouble. And so that was not what the Bible says. We've heard a little phrase, liar, liar, pants on fire, nose as long as a telephone wire. Probably you've either heard that or said something like that. It's a good thing it's not really true. For if it was true, many of us would be walking with a limp, burnt, and in a lot of pain. Some churches might come with both regular and extra crispy uh, believers in the pews. If that was true, liar, liar, pants on fire. Kent Hughes says, lying has become a cultural trait in America. Lying is embedded into the national character. And he said that probably 30 years ago. And so we have a culture that doesn't think that much about lying if it gets him somewhere. I love this. I've used it many times. Flannery O'Connor said, the truth does not change according to our ability to stomach it. The truth does not change by our ability to stomach it. Sir Walter Scott very poignantly wrote many years ago, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. A very tangled web it, it is. When you start lying, you've got to remember, so had to have such a, a better understanding and rememberer, if you would, uh, if you lie about everything. I think we have lost uh, integrity in, America, well, in, in many ways. We've lost honesty. When someone is caught in dishonest things over and over, you just really tune them out almost. I, I don't believe a word that you say now. Typically, if you've been caught, found over and over, misusing the truth. The Bible says, without stammer or stutter, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And that is just not for me, Mr. and Mrs. Crumb, who are Don and Connie, by the way, I know their names now. Uh, and uh, also next door is uh, Charlie and I know her name, Shannon. Charlie and Shannon, their two children, and over next door is a church. So, But it's more than those people, okay? Across the road, I've got a, a, a storage facility, so we don't have to talk, you know, they're not my neighbors necessarily, buildings. But the neighbor is whoever you come in contact with. So we are, it's, it's, we need to not lie, period. Number one, if you're jotting down notes, three points. First point is the loss of absolute truth. The loss of absolute truth, Blaise Pascal said, I've quoted recently, truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. 
We have to be people who singularly focus in on the truth. God's word is true, and we must stand on that. A humorous illustration, one survey was given that said 15% of ladies surveyed tended their hair, 38% wore a wig, 80% wore rouge, 98% wore eyeshadow, 22% wore false eyelashes, 93% wore nail polish, and 100% voted in favor a resolution of condemning any kind of false packaging, even though they did all those things. And so uh, that was, again, a yesteryear illustration. How do we get here? How do we get to the point, as you're turning to Isaiah 54, please, how do we get this problem of, of uh, is it a lack of information? Is that why truth is so scarce? No. We understand, or we may not know, but the truth is doubling. And I've read this. Back in 91, every five years, it was, every five years, truth doubled. 2013, or 2000, yeah, 2013, every 13 months, truth doubled. I read just this week, I was looking, and if I was reading it correctly, the amount of knowledge in the world, I think it said 24 hours. I don't know if it can be possibly true, but we double knowledge, available knowledge in the world every 24 hours. There have been, since Gutenberg's printing press, 129,864,880 books published since 1446, something like that. We've been in the printing press. It's not a lack of knowledge. There's, I've got so many books in my library. I've never completely read you. I could sit, I'd like to sit for 10 years and do nothing but read. That would be a, man, Diet Mountain Dew, books here, a cat in the lap that doesn't claw me. There we go. And that will be it. And a fireplace to watch it without having to be put the logs on the fire. There we go. That's a, that's a dream, I know. So we find information is not the problem. Everybody, it's interesting, one guy said, everybody wishes to have truth on his side, but not everyone wishes to be on the side of truth. It should be, I'm sorry, Isaiah 59, 14. Isaiah 59, 14. I couldn't read my writing earlier on. We were talking about that at lunchtime today, my, my, my poor writing. Isaiah 59, 14. Isaiah 59, 14. And judgment, Isaiah 59, 14, is turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Why has truth fallen in the street? Could it be the philosophers of philosophy, professors of philosophy, have, have, have sort of knocked it down? Have it been tripped by dishonest leaders? Has it been chloroformed by liberal preachers? We have truth is, is fallen in the street. If you had told me 20 years ago what people believe today in our own country, I said, there's no way we're going to succumb to that cultural pressure, but we have. It is our job as believers to put truth, I believe, back on her feet. We don't need, if we don't tell the truth, I'm telling you, we're going to pay the consequences. Remember that old Bob Barker show, Truth or Consequences? And uh, it was Bob Barker, right? Bob Barker, Truth or Consequences? The loss of absolute truth, secondly, is the liability of a false witness. I know you're thinking, well, he's already in point two. We're going to have a short message, and don't, don't hold your breath on that one. The liability of a false witness, as you're turning now, I believe, surely, is John 8.44. Now, who is the father of all such falsehoods? It's clear from Scripture who that is, John 8.44. John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44 says for us here, 
ye are of your father, said to those who were accusing him of being born of fornication. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and what? The father of it. That is Satan, he, the devil. He is the father of lies. Every time you tell a lie, every time you're acting in a dishonest manner, you really are on the devil's, acting on the devil's side. They're not funny. They're not clever. Lies are not black or white. They're not small. That's just a little white lie. Well, a lie is a lie is a lie. Is it not? Yes, it is. Even a half-truth is a lie. There's sin. Every one. And they're the very sins that Jesus died for. We don't think lying is that, it is a big deal. I think I read one statistic was every, Americans typically lie one or two, about two or three times a day, typically, or something like that. It was, it was an amazing statistic. Slander, not just the average American, not everybody, but just a general principle. Slander, first of all, ways that God, or things that God holds us responsible for is slander. Turn with me back now to Genesis chapter 2. Slander. Now, what does, what does lying about someone else make you like Satan? Because the word devil means slanderer. So slander, Satan, truth, Jesus. It's one or the other. And Satan, remember, Satan did with his slander back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Here's what God says, Genesis 2, 17. But in the, of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Satan comes along in chapter 3, verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. He, he made God to be a liar. And then he accused God of base motives. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, what a lie that was. Now, their eyes were open, yes. But like God, we will never be like Jehovah God in the sense of his, he is infinite. We are finite. We have limitations, great limitations. I was talking to Mr. Dixon today, texting with him about, about, uh, Help, help gives me ideas on the house, etc. I said, thank you for so much. He said, well, you know, the way you learn to do things around the house, by making mistakes, he says, that makes you smarter. I said, I should be a genius many times over, and that's what makes you smarter. And, he, and, uh, we, and that's how you learn, by making mistakes, it is. But I'd rather just go from no knowledge to all knowledge, and get, but it doesn't work that way. Satan is a slanderer. He deceives, and he wants to, he wants, how is it that, Islam has been so effective in getting so many people, over a billion people, follow Islam. How, how does it happen? Could it be possibly? Be that Satan is behind it? Yes, I think so, very possibly. And Satan was a slander. He criticized the godly man Job. God said he's upright. And Satan assaults Job's character. He really doesn't love you because you're God. He only reason loves you because you have bribed him by giving him all these things. Basically, that's what he's saying. He went so far as to attack Jesus himself in Matthew 4. Remember, after 40 days in the wilderness, he, those three huge tests, Jesus passes by quoting scripture. The devil has been bearing false witness against Jesus for a long time, and he's still doing it today. Anytime you hear someone deny the Lord's deity and the truth of his word, I'm telling you, listen to a false witness. You are. Any cult, any religion that says Jesus isn't God, it's a false religion. You're hearing that. That's the devil speaking through that. It's called in theological terms, Christological heresies. 
that Jesus isn't God who he says he is in Scripture. Now, sins of the tongue, which God holds us responsible for, first was slander. The second is perjury, as you're turning to Exodus 23. Now, we don't often turn to so many places, but if you'll just bear with me tonight, Exodus 23, 1 and 2, Exodus 23, 1 and 2. A salesman knocked at an apartment door in a a low-rent district of a town one day, and the mother did not want to talk to the guy, so she told her little son to tell him uh, he couldn't come. As he went to the door, she couldn't come because she's in the bathtub. And so her son answered the door and said, Sir, we ain't got no bathtub, but Mom told me to tell you that she's in it. And so that perjury, when you know better, you're telling a mistruth, Churchill said a lie is a terminological inexactitude. Terminological inexactitude. Hard to say, but it makes the point. We're determined to say something that's not correct. Satan is the father of this whole business of lying and has a lot of children who are following him. The perjurer is one of the devil's kids as well. Whoever appears in a courtroom and tells a lie is breaking the ninth commandment. 23 of Exodus 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. But put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. doesn't matter what people think. Truth is not decided by a vault of a multitude. God is true. And I said, perhaps every man else is a liar, but God be true. The multitude and the culture, by the way, does not tell what is true. We have a culture bent on trying to jettison the created order. You know that. I'm not talking about anything. It's it's a culture that wants to do that. You cannot jettison the created order and expect things to go well. The the newest study said of teen girls that 60% of them felt discouraged and some of them discouraged enough to try to end their own lives. They don't feel like they're worth anything. They have no purpose. We have thrown onto our teenagers today not only the normal teen things, but now they're going to decide who they are. Am I a boy or a girl? I mean, this, this... And there's so many difficulties, but no one wants to call it out for what it is. You're neglecting God's plan, and this is why. Well, they're only like this because they're not being supported the right way. I'm telling you, when you go against what God has said, you're going to have problems. It's, it's, it's that simple. The truth. There's a principal received a phone call one day regarding truth, and the voice said, Thomas Bradley won't be at school today. The principal was a bit suspicious by the voice, and he asked, Who's speaking? The voice came back, My father. (laughs) Mark Twain has it right when he says, The difference between a person who tells the truth and one that tells lies is the liar has to have a lot better memory than the truth teller. The slanderer, the perjurer, also what God holds us responsible for is spreading rumors, very popular. Chapter Matthew chapter 26, I'm sure you're going to want to hear this one. Matthew 26, 59 to 61, spreading of rumors, Matthew 26, 59 to 61. Someone once said, it isn't the things that go in one ear and out the other that hurt as much as the things that go in one ear get all mixed up and then come out the mouth. Those are the problems. The false witnesses, these, this carrying of a rumor, it's not that it is a big deal. Before we say, oh, it's not that big a deal, it really is. Matthew 26, according to Scripture, Matthew 26, verse 59. 26, 59 says for us here, 26, 59. Now, the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witnesses or witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none, and rightly so. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, 
this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, the word said means we know from John, Christ is talking about the temple of his body. For in John 2, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He spake of the temple of his body. He's prophesying his own resurrection, but these people weren't interested in the truth. We only want what fills our our paradigm of what we want to know about people and what we want to be projected and to be in the media. Well, he said this, a rumor. There was not a syllable of truth in it. One of the first things that happens, by the way, when a man is truly filled with the Spirit is not that he speaks in tongues, but that he learns the control he won he has. It's not how high you jump, it's how straight you walk when you land. You want, if someone's truly filled with the Spirit, they're going to do what the Spirit would have them to do. That's as simple as that. There doesn't have to be an outward manifestation of the Spirit's filling. We understand you trust Christ as Savior, the Spirit comes in and indwells you. The Bible says clearly in Romans 8 9, if you are a child of God, the Spirit indwells you. But that doesn't mean that he controls all. He will not force himself. You have to give yourself over and allow him to feel completely take control of you. That is the idea. That's the goal, by the way, for us. To be completely controlled by the Holy Spirit. The trouble with rumors are that they spread so much faster than truth, it seems. On a tombstone in England is written these words, Here lies the body of Clarabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. D.L. Moody once said, A rumor can travel halfway around the world before the truth gets its boots on. The Bible says in Proverbs, The words of a talebearer are his wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. And in Proverbs 16, 28, a forward man so a strife and a whisper separateth chief friends. Back over there in our text in Exodus 23, verse 1, thou shalt not raise a false report, but put thine hand, uh, put not thine hand with the wicked to an unrighteous witness. If the, really God forbids us from starting a rumor, you're not raising a false report, and you're forbidden from having a hand in passing the rumor along. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Don't keep the rumor alive. Don't keep circulating it. Choke it off at the source. Well, have you asked that? And you can different times, you'll see some really good questions to ask people. If they come to you, well, have you talked to this person about it? Am, am I part of the problem or solution? No, then we don't need to hear about it, etc. And there's about four or five salient questions that can really nip a rumor carrier. And, well, I, I, and just stop it right there. Rumors are sort of like the, prema, the report of the premature death of Mark Twain. Twain was in London, where he somehow got back to the newspaper editor in New York that Twain either had already died or was about to die. And the editor cabled his London correspondent to check on the truth of this rumor, which would be the front page news if it was true. As it turned out, it was a cousin of Mark Twain's in London who had been seriously ill but actually had recovered. And Twain sent the editor a message that ended with this little terse statement, reports of my death greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated. And that's what rumors are, a great exaggeration. Great exaggeration. Now, I'm not exaggerating when I say there's three ornery cats in my house. That's not an exaggeration. That's, if I said there was 50, that'd be an exaggeration. And I would be insane. There's that many, but there was three. In Twain's case, the rumor led to some harmless humor. However, rumors are not always like that. 2 Corinthians, please, chapter 12, verse 19 now. 2 Corinthians 12, 19. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 19 and 20, Paul's final uh, appeal to the church at Corinth. By the way, if you're missing Sunday school, adults were up here on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We're going through 2 Corinthians. Encourage you to come out for that if you do not normally. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 19. And again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ that we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as I would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. Do not be a vehicle for caring of rumors. Sins of the tongue that we are absolutely accountable for, slander, perjury, spreading rumors, and next is flattery. Proverbs 26, 28, please. Proverbs 26, 28. Proverbs 26, 28. Proverbs 26, 28 says for us, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh what? Ruin. Worketh ruin. Well, pastor, I'm telling you, I saw that toolbox that you brought to the work last week, and I tell you, you are the most handy man with tools I've ever seen. Pastor, will you come and fix this? Pastor, will you come and fix that? No, you're just trying to build me up to get you to do something for me. See, that's that's wrong, because we all know I'm a very unhandy man. That's my title, the unhandy man. And I just have to learn by doing, and and, and so I'm not, I just have, I got some Christmas presents that all match. That's what it was. A flattering tongue, work, a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Now, it's not wrong to encourage. I love encouragement. I got a very nice encouragement video this past week from one of our younger folks. And so it's a keeper video. And I like the encouraging. I get cards, etc. I got one or two cards, I think, this week from people encouraging me. And I try to send out several cards every single Monday morning, Tuesday morning this week with the holiday, uh, encouraging folks, etc., I'm not talking about encouraging or honoring or giving thanks. I'm talking about when we flatter that doesn't encourage and doesn't honor. And, and it's a way of using people. Oh, my goodness. You have, you have the greatest talent at hanging sheetrock, Steve. Bunny, you're a great sheetrock hanger. And I need a whole room done. Could you come over to my house? See, I would be the whole purpose. and just So I get something from him. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. Have you ever met someone like this? Flattery is saying to a person's face what you never say behind their back. And slander is saying behind a person's back what you never say to their face. There are two different sides, two sides of a, the coin. Both of them are wrong. Heads and tails, same coin. God forbids them both. What's God going to hold us responsible for? Are slander, perjury, rumors, flattery. How about insinuation? Chapter 8 of John again, 41. Insinuation. Insinuation. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, Sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle that fits them all. Sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle that fits them all. John eight forty one, Ye do the deeds of your father, Jesus said. Then they said, said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. What a terrible insinuation. They're insinuating that Jesus was illegitimately born. That's what they were insinuating. We be not born of fornication, but you are. The implication, insinuation was very, very clear. They insinuated he's born of a fornication. What a horrible, blasphemous thing. It was, it was a lie. 
When you bear witness by insinuation, by the tone of your voice, even by the arching of your eyebrows, you can also bear false witness by what you don't even say. One man says, the essence is in deception, not in words. A lie may be told by silence, by hedging, by accent on a syllable, and all these kinds of lies are worse than a lie plainly told. If I insinuate, I say, you know what? I went fishing Saturday. I did not catch a bass under five pounds. I didn't catch any bass, but I didn't catch any under five pounds either. So I caught none, but what I was insinuating was I caught, a, you know, a several over five. That's what I was insinuating, although I didn't catch up fish. I haven't gone fishing for so long. That's insinuation. It's wrong. Things were going to be held accountable. Sins with the tongue held accountable for perjury, slander, spreading rumors, flattery, insinuation. And finally... The loss of absolute truth, the liability of a false witness, and now the lesson to retain, refusing to lie. Refusing to lie. Michael Moriarty in the book called The Perfect Ten said, A lie is a voluntary speaking of an untruth with an intent to deceive or harm. Proverbs 12, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Uh, we have in our household, I don't know if it, who for sure came up with it, but handling the truth recklessly. Uh, that's another euphemism for lying, but it sounds much easier. You're handling the truth a little recklessly. Honesty means that everything you say must be true, but not everything that is true must be said. But if you say it, it must be true. Refusing to bear false witness is especially important among the family of God. The Bible says, speak not evil or speak not evil one of another, brethren. It doesn't say speak not evil if it's not true. It says don't speak evil, period. And perhaps it is true. Perhaps it's true. We are to be speaking it. It doesn't give permission to speak bad things even when you know them to be true. Jeremiah 18, 18. Then said they, come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. When you listen to falsehood, I believe we're as liable as the false witness who gives it. It's not a compliment to say that people want to use your ears for garbage cans. It's not a compliment to you. In some cases, you can even break the spirit of the ninth commandment by simply being silent, but not speaking up to affirm the truth, but to, st- uh, to stop a lie. When the Bible says you're not to bear false witness, then we are to bear what? Right witness or true witness. Don't bear the false, but bear the true. Yes, if someone is in need or indeed in trouble and you have the answer, we should respond correctly. And if a soul sin in Leviticus 5.1, and if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing and is a witness, and whether he has seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. You say, well, none of my business. I'm just simply going to keep silent as you watch a person rob a store. No, you are to speak up and to tell the truth. In closing, please turn to Proverbs 6. If you would there please, Proverbs 6 in closing. There are a few things you can do that are more foolish, more hurtful than to bear false witness. We are to impress this upon our children and grandchildren. Isn't truth refreshing? It is. Now, sometimes I don't want to hear the truth. Uh, my wife, may, well, this doesn't, you know, this, this tie doesn't, or I don't, whatever it is, or your, your buttons on your shirt aren't buttoned, that'll have one on today, but whatever. We don't want to hear the truth necessarily, or, or you know, whatever some, we need to hear it sometimes. 
But truth is refreshing. It is. Now, God hates falsehood. As you turn to Proverbs chapter 6, very clearly, it's interesting. If you'll notice the verses here, Proverbs chapter 6, 16, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, 6, 16 through 19, the Bible says for us here, though these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. If you want to know how abomination is, look back in the Old Testament, something that God hates. A proud look, one. Two, a lying tongue. Three, hands that shed innocent blood. Four, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Five, feet that be swift to running to mischief. Six, a false witness that speaketh lies. Wait, wasn't number two a lying tongue? Yes. And six, is a false witness that speaketh lies? Yes. And he that soweth discord among the brethren, number seven. Two of the seven, about 30% of these seven things speak to our tongues. God hates untrue things. He hates falsehood. It will do you no good. It may temporarily get you out of a jam, but what is the price you're going to pay? No amount of telling the falsehood will change the truth, but it will change the relationship we have with the person that we have lied about or lied to. You may think it's a small thing to lie, but if you have a practice of lying, if your regular habit lifestyle wants you to tell you very plainly, that's what the father of the devil does. You're of the father of the devil. If it's a constant, I'm not saying we, Christians do lie, yes, to ask for forgiveness for it. We understand that. But if it's your practice and you can lie constantly without any kind of guilt, you need to check your salvation experience. Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. The word angel means messenger or witness. When you lie, you're becoming a witness for Satan. You become one of his angels, if you would, in that regard. And the Bible says in 21.8 that all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Again, I'm not saying every Christian that lies one time is going to hell. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, a person who habitually has the practice of lying is probably indicating by their life that they're not truly a child of God. They're actually far more on the side of Satan. So... The word of God, from, from the lightnings and thunders of Sinai, God says, thou shalt not bear false witness. We must recognize and respect God's truth. We must recognize the, the fear of the consequences of bearing false witness. I close with this quote. The fabric of all healthy relationships is woven with truth. Lying tears this fabric apart and so destroys all trust and confidence in one another. Since God is truth, we cannot violate truth and still enjoy a relationship with him also. God help us to bear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that should be our goal. The whole truth, bear the truth, and nothing but the truth. And So may we be people of honesty, people that tell the truth and do not hedge on that. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you this evening for the commands. Lord, it's not so much are we, we should be concerned about however they're posted across our land, but more importantly, how they are lived in our lives. We should be living God's commands to us. And this ninth commandment is so clear. We are to be honest, people of integrity. There should not be a hint, a smell of dishonesty about us. We should be truthful. We should not try to mislead, insinuate, slander, perjure, flatter, 
all these different things. We're going to be held accountable, I believe. So Lord, help us to guard our thoughts, guard our tongues, and may we uh, let you live your life through us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.